What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The, I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. Welcome to All the Smoke, a production of The Black Effect and Our Heart Radio in partnership with Showtime. Welcome back, man. Season two of All the Smoke. We got a real special guest. What's up with your Brody? with the virtual handshake. I'm gonna tell y'all something that I never told nobody. I want all the smoke. Welcome back to another edition of All the Smoke. Jack, what's happening with your brother Aaron? Man, cooling my brother, just enjoying this beautiful life, man. What's up with you? Man, I can't call it. Out here in LA, I uh, was trying to give the baby a bath a little bit earlier, and this little nigga shit all in the toilet, clogged <laughs> everything up. So, hey, I'm off to a good start today. Let me tell you that. Nice. But anyway, <laughs> outside of that, man, you know I grew up a huge football fan, and this dude is, to me, one of the best defensive backs to ever play the game. It's an honor to have him today welcome our friend charles woodson welcome to the show bro hey man appreciate it man appreciate it man good to see y'all boys man yeah see wood man we appreciate your time man so let's let's get right to it man 2020 was a definitely year to forget um what do you take away from that year personally you know man it was it was like you just mentioned it, it was a tough year it was a, it was an odd you know kind of weird year man and it, it, i feel like um everyone had to you either move you know you, you either get better or you get worse right and so everybody had to find a way man to um do their thing whatever it is you know like we're on this this zoom call right now you know and um you know before you had to travel you know you had to pick up leave your house leave for two three days wh- wherever you were going um to to do an interview or to meet with people and all of these different things uh, but now all of these things are done through Zoom. So I feel like everybody had to adjust. I think 2020 was a year for adjustment if you wanted to survive. And if you didn't want to survive, then you don't adjust and you stick to what you're doing. Then you find yourself, you're going to find yourself in 2021 trying to catch up. You know what I mean? So I feel like that was a big part of it. And then I felt like I'm, I felt blessed, to be honest with you, because, you know, you, you watch television and you see people struggling, man. You see um, where, where people are cooped up in, in their homes, apartments, or wherever they are. 
I'm so blessed to be, to live where I live, to where I could actually get outside. I could get out, ride my bike and, you know, just kind of enjoy my surroundings. And I, I didn't really felt like I had a care in the world, man. My family was good. You know, everybody was healthy. So, man, we just we, we just maintained through the whole thing and, and just and just try to, like, like I said, survive, man, and, and adjust. How do you feel about the NFL finally backing their players in the social justice fight? Yeah, I think they 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 had to, man. I mean, the, you know, it was it was it was up in the face of everybody. Um, you know, I've watched you know all that you guys have done, especially you know surrounding uh, George Floyd. Um, and when people saw that, man, you know, I, I remember watching uh, Dave Chappelle's uh, stand up when he emphasized eight minutes and 46 seconds. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and when, he, when he emphasized it, it almost, it almost shook your body because the whole world actually sat there and watched that. And you could, you could sit there and watch it for eight minutes in 46 seconds. And when you watch that, it just, it tears you apart because the look on the face of the officer to me was the most disheartening part of the whole thing because he, right. for one, he didn't care about the life in which he took, but then his face also told you, ain't nothing gonna happen to me. I have all of these cameras on me. I got all of these cell phones, probably got cameras from the store zooming down on them. And his face said, man, I don't care. You can't do nothing to me and nothing's gonna happen to me. And, and the world saw that, man. And that's why there was an uprising, not just here in the States, but around the world in, in, in different countries, you, you saw people who were standing up and, and actually felt like at that point, they had the courage to stand up and say something. So the NFL, you know, what, 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 that, what that moment symbolized is, I think they, they mentally you got a picture of Colin Kaepernick kneeling down, and then you got a, a picture of that, uh, that officer kneeling down. And you said, wait, you got to step back and say, wait a minute. We, we, just, we just vilified this guy for kneeling down for change, and he's no longer allowed to play in our NFL because we pitted him against the American flag. And then we got this officer wow. of the law who's kneeling down, taking a life as if he's going to have immunity and nothing's going to happen to him. And, and so the, the NFL had to. They had to come around, man. Otherwise, man, it was, it was going to be a big problem. Absolutely. Did you kind of feel, obviously, you came in in the late 90s, um, but played 18 years. Were there ever issues? I mean, the NBA has kind of always freely been very free and has always backed its players and stood behind us um, when we spoke on things. Were there ever a time in your career that anything came up or, or possibly anything that, you know, not necessarily that affected you, but came up in general, but you didn't really feel comfortable speaking on it because like I said in the NFL is really to me on the outside looking in never really had the backs of its players when it came to speaking up for things that are unjust things that are wrong just in general speaking up did you ever have that feeling as a player while you were playing no nah, I, I never had that feeling and I don't feel like uh during my time like there was a there was a, a issue that I felt like I, I really needed to you know step up and speak out about um most of the things that happened to me during my career that I felt like I needed to speak out uh, against as far as maybe the you know, team or coach or whatever, I never had no issues with that. I, I said what I, what I would feel at that moment. Um, but of course, you know, guys, you know, depending on, um, you know, where you are in, in the economic, you know, uh, ladder as far as the sports is concerned, mm -hmm. you know, that does silence a lot of guys. And that's, that's the one thing that 
I would say about NFL players that we always envied about basketball in the NBA is that they did always seem to have the back of the players. You know, even right. even even when it comes down to coaching and the NBA hiring black coaches, you know, those types of things. We we in the NFL, we look at we be like, man, those guys are miles ahead of us um, as far as you know what we're doing. So, uh, but but as far as me being uh, you know afraid to speak out about something, nah. Thoughts on how the NFL is navigated through COVID and, and its you know efforts to try to finish this season. Uh, you know the NBA is definitely facing it right now with you know games being canceled because guys don't have enough you know players to to field a team. The NFL, for the most part, obviously you guys have a lot more people on your roster, but they've done a fairly good job of kind of being able to navigate through this COVID. What are your thoughts on, on what they've been doing? <laughs> I think they've done a great job considering, man. Uh, you know, the, the NFL is a machine. You know, this is a $15, $16 billion a year business, man. They, they were, they were going to make it work. Um, you know, you had a few hiccups, you know, during the middle of the season where they had to push some games back and, you know, kind of rearrange the scheduling a little bit. But I think the NFL, man, uh, the owners and the commissioner and, and everybody involved, man, they were dead set on making sure uh, that, this, that this season worked. And if, if somebody was to, you know, get COVID or come down with symptoms or, you know, you had people that were um, around that person and they had to quarantine, you know, if you, had to, if you were the, the, the Broncos and you had to bring in a guy who never played a down, then you brought him in because you right. were going to make it work, man. So right. I think the NFL, they, 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 they've done an outstanding job, but I think they have the bully pulpit, man. You know, they, they call the shots. So yeah, I think they did a great job. And I think, and I think it's been an outstanding season. Uh, thus far in the playoffs, who, who's caught your eye? Teams, players? Yeah, I, I, man, I really like um, what I see out of Buffalo. Uh, I've been I've been really high on, you know, their quarterback this year. I think he's you know kind of make he's making that leap as far as being one of the elite quarterbacks in the game. I think what they did in the off season, uh, trading for Stephon Diggs, was you know kind of like the, the 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 one thing that they really needed, like a like a stud on the outside that was going to draw attention. And you see the way that their relationship has really uh, developed over the course of this season. These guys are like best friends and. You know, when you got a quarterback and a receiver on the same page, uh, the way that they are, you know, you're going to put up a lot of yards, score touchdowns, which is ultimately going to help you win games. And when you think about it, you know, if it was to come down to, you know, the Bills and, and, and say the Chiefs, then you got to score points because the, the Chiefs are going to score points. Yeah. So you got to have a, you got to have an offense that's, that's going to be able to shoot it out with those guys um, if they happen to meet down the road. Black quarterbacks in the playoffs, Lamar, Mahomes, Wilson. How special are these guys? Man, you know, it's, it's great because, you know, when you think back, right, when we were growing up, you know, it, it was, you know, it, it was that stigma about, you know, black quarterbacks and playing, you know, playing that position, right? And to have, you know, so many of these young guys coming in and really being able to, you know, um, you know take that quarterback, quarterback in position to the next level, it just it does you some good, right? Because we all, all of us, you know, had some guys that we, you know, knew growing up or watched, you know, in high school or other high schools that were athletic quarterbacks. But you knew as soon as they got to college, they were moving to a receiver, right? Or as soon as they left college and went to the pros, somebody's gonna say, no, maybe he'll be a good punt returner. And so those guys never got a, they never got a shot to play play the game. And so now, like you said, you know, having uh, Lamar Jackson in there, man, who 
who got his, you know, first playoff win, which is outstanding. So he's going to be dangerous. You know what I mean? He's going to be a dangerous guy in these playoffs. So um, it, it's fun to watch him, man, because they, they bring so much excitement <laughs> to the game. You know, you talk about Mahomes throwing uh, no-look passes and behind his back and underhand. And, dude, he's, he's, he's a special guy, man. So I, I just I like watching all these guys. It's just, it just makes the game fun. Thoughts on the lack – I mean, you touched on it a second ago, but the lack of black head coaches – um, in the NFL, is there a recipe to kind of change that? I know Eric Bieniemy is someone who's been sitting in line, definitely uh, paid his dues. Um, what are your thoughts on a possible way of getting more diversity uh, for, for NFL head coaches? Well, we thought we had that way with the Rooney Rule, you know, but it seems like it seems uh, like guys are brought in, you know, just as like that that token interview, and then and then it's all about you know, the buddy-buddy system, you know, and bringing in, you know, a guy that maybe brought you in years ago or a guy that's been coaching forever. You know, I think back or, or I think about uh, a coach of mine, uh, Joe Witt, who was my defensive backs coach in Green Bay. And I, I, I noticed I've been around this guy as, as, as a player on the same team with him, coached by him. I know he understands football. I know he's waiting on his shot to, to possibly get a coordinator position, but he could never get that shot. You know, and he just continues right. to get, you know, passed over and, and get and gets looked over. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm on Twitter, you know, how, you know, talking about him and, and giving him his props as, as, as a coach. And I'm trying to, you know, use my voice to help him out. He just continues to get looked over. And so the thing that's going to happen is he's going to be, you know, 50 years old, never having a shot, you know, to run a run a run a defense and then ultimately maybe become a head coach. In, in the NFL, you know, if you look at my team, the Raiders, they just let their coordinator go and then they immediately go get a, a head coach that just got fired by another team. And to be the right. defensive coordinator, you know, I, I sent I sent a you know, text to Gruden, hey, bring Joe in and, and, and at least interview him. And, you right. know, when you when you can't get those things done and, and be able to vouch for guys and get them those opportunities, then they just continue to get looked over. You know, so, I mean, yeah. you just need you need some some coaches out there, man, to, you know, hey, man, step out on a limb, you know, and bring some of these guys Chance. in. Yeah. And Eric Bieniemy, that ain't stepping out on a limb. We, we've seen we've not seen his track record and he's still not getting the job, which I don't understand that at all. So they hire people that look like them at the end of the day. And I think the fact that they had to create a rule called the Rooney rule to give minorities an opportunity to really say something. And the fact that there's really been no follow-up with that rule or enforcing enforcement of the rule um, is unfortunate. But like I said, I mean, we're not only good for scoring touchdowns, throwing touchdowns and getting interceptions. We can definitely lead teams and coach teams to, you know, on the highest level as well. Yeah, no, no doubt. Like I said, just, just, just don't bring in your buddy. Just don't bring in, uh, you know, somebody that, t that you knew along the way, you know, take a shot, man. This, this, this game is, this game is, is evolving. You know, you need guys that, you know, truly understand the game and can relate to players, man. And, and I know Joe Witt is one of those guys. So that's why I always, you know, give him his props whenever I can. Best of luck to our man Joe Witt uh, and his opportunities and journeys. Um, born Fremont, Ohio, what was your childhood like? Was sports prominent in your family? What drew you to sports? Yeah, man, my, my, uh, you know, my mom has three kids, uh, so older brother and uh, older sister who, were, who I grew up with in my household. And both of them were, uh, my, my sister was in the track, volleyball, uh, my brother, was football, ran track, uh, wrestled, 
And, you know, those were those were like my first, you know, my childhood idols and they were right there in the house. And, uh, you know, they were they were they were beasts. You know what I mean? So I, I grew up in that environment of playing sports and, you know, play, playing everything, you know, football, basketball, uh, baseball, you know, whatever, whatever you could, whatever kind, what kind of ball you could put your hands on, man. We was out there getting it done. You right. know, we meet up in the yard, man. Everybody get together, play a pickup game. So whether it was baseball or what. We, we, we were out there playing, man. So I, I definitely grew up around sports, man. And, um, you know, figured out fairly well that uh, I was pretty decent at, at what I was doing. So <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano. And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, he's gonna guard, and then on I'm top not of that, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When did football become serious to you? I would say I think it was probably always serious. Um, I think when, you know, when you're out there playing in the yard, you know, I was one of the, the kids that, you know, they, the, the older kids would bring me out, you know, in the neighborhood and they say, hey, man, you, come on, you, you playing. Right. Hey, that says a lot, yeah. though, because kids don't play outside. And right. we understand when you get the older kids to vouch for you or they want you on your team, yeah. you're nice, especially if you're younger. Yeah. And, and so I think that's where I developed some of my moves as an offensive player, because them big dudes, man, they wasn't playing around, man. You know, if I was going to be out there, <laughs> bro, yeah, you know what I'm saying? If I was going to be out there, man, you got to take some of this pain, yeah. man. So I was I was trying to get to that yeah. sideline and get up that sideline. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Were there uh, players or teams you grew up watching or, or, or idolizing or trying to emulate as a youngster? I grew up watching, you know, the Bengals, uh, the Browns. Um, I was a big uh, New York Giants fan um, as a kid. And then as far as, you know, players, you know, like I said, other than my brother and sister, man, Walter Payton was, that was, that was the guy, that was the guy for me. You know, I always tell people that, you know, when I would be, you know, on the playground and you know how kids are, man, hey, I'm, I'm this player, I'm this player. Walter, Walter Payton was the guy for me, man. Like you said, sweetness, you know, had them rules on and that, and, and that, that rules, a kangaroo headband, a little, little Jerry curl and all that, man. Hey. See, I wonder because we had we had Dion. Dion said his Jerry Curl was dry. I still don't believe. Him. I wonder if Walter shit was wet or dry. Walter shit looked wet. Hold on, wet hold on, like- hold on, hold on. You got to get Dion's quote correct. It was it dry. Wet. It just looked. Yeah, it was look yeah. wet. It looked but wet, it was but dry. it was dry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Walter's was wet because he had the headband on. You got to keep yeah. you got to keep that stuff hell out yeah. your eyes. Keep that shit out your eyes. Hell yeah. Nah, my dad used to play these little neighborhood games, and he would have to have the towel around his work shirt so that shit didn't drip on his shirt. So his shit was always glistening, y'all, like coming to y'all America. Y'all had the plastic on the couch and everything, didn't you? Man, what? That shit was wet. <laughs> that soul glow. Soul glow. Straight up. That's exactly what that was. I'm from Texas, bro. So growing up, I think you're two years older than me, growing up, High school football is crazy. Oh, yeah. Especially on Fridays, you know what I mean? What was high school football like for you in Ohio? Yeah, well, uh, high school football in Ohio is it's one of those states. So you talk about Texas, you talk about California, Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania. Like, those, those are the states, man. And, of course, now, you know, Jersey and there's some other, other states. But those, those states there, man... High school football was everything, you know, and we, you know, we, we grew up under the, you know, the Friday night lights and, you know, you couldn't wait for Friday football. You know, the stadium was right in the middle of our, our small little town, man. And when it was time for them games, man, you, you, people lined up down the street, you know, trying to get on the other side yeah. of that, on the other side <laughs> of that fence, you know, to get into the stands, man, to watch football, man. So football was, it was, it was the life, lifeblood of, of our community, you know, like a lot of other places, man. And so like for me, you know, Growing up and uh, starting out playing the game, man, and watching my older brother play on Friday nights while I was still in middle school, I couldn't wait, you know, to get to high school and play in that environment, man. So that that's 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 a big part of of growing up in my childhood is 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 uh, football. That's still to me, obviously, being able to play 15 years in the NBA. Friday night football sticks out to me. Yeah, you know what I mean that like that was the shit. It gives me chills even saying that like Friday night football games were everything man and that shit was the fun to me that was the funnest i love the nba don't get me wrong have fun in college but there, there was nothing like them friday night high school football games no because after you know the game goes on and everybody's cheering right and then everybody's talking about hey what we doing after the game you know we after we're we gonna go meet up yeah. at meet up at burger king and sit out in the parking lot you know what i mean especially when yeah. you got older and you can hang out man that was that was the deal man yeah yeah Exactly. So we went. We wasn't going to Burger King. The white boys had the kegs, and I had the weed, and we was going to uh, roll up and enjoy. But I feel you. <laughs> so very decorated high school career. Um, USA Today All American, Mister Football, Ohio. What was your recruiting experience like? You know, I think it came down to Ohio State and Michigan. You being from Ohio, how hard was it to turn down Ohio State and go to Michigan? 
Really not not hard at all. I mentioned my brother. My older mm-hmm. brother was a, a big Michigan fan. And as as I said earlier, man, he was my first, you know, football, you know, childhood idol. And some for some reason, he fell in love with Michigan. And I was like, man, you like Michigan? I like Michigan, you know? And so mm-hmm. when it came down to recruiting, um, I looked at Ohio State as the rival, you know? So it was like, I, I'm not going to the rival, you know what I mean? So... I, I took my, my college visits to Notre Dame and uh, the Miami, the, the Hurricanes, you know, down in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but in my mind, I, I, I think I was just always a Wolverine, you know. So, I mean, I got, of course, letters from everywhere. You know, yeah, Ohio State recruited me, but it was like that was one school. I just felt like uh, that, that's why the, the rivalry to me is, is so huge is because, like, that, that determined where I went to school at. It was the rivalry, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's why it's, it's so upsetting the way our, our games have gone against them, you know, the last 15, 16 years. Uh, but, yeah, so Michigan was always, you know, at the top of the list. And, you know, when that opportunity came, man, it was like, this this is it. This is where I'm going to be. So you were a very talented running back and, and, and crossed over to DB at Michigan. Was that a tough transition? Did you want to play running back still or you were good with playing DB? That was a business decision, man. I, I had uh, issues with my knees as a running back and you know every year you know my knees would um would swell up you know there was times when I would have to you know go get my knee drained before the game and I was like mm, I was like yeah hurt. I was like man, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to you know do this long term and so I played I played both sides of the ball I played defense as well so when it came time to go to, to college I, I remember telling you know the, the my, my recruiter at the time you know, he was talking about getting me up there and, you know, getting me acclimated and talking about, you know, me play, being an offensive weapon. I'm like, hey, man, I, I'm going to play defense. And so he, he was like, what? He was like, really? He was like, really? I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to play defense, man. And, um, you know, part of part of that, too, was when you think about it, you guys uh, mentioned Dion. Dion was like, you know, the first defensive back that, that really demanded, hey, man, y'all got to pay me. To come out here and do this thing. So then, at that point, man, we we was calling you Baby Dion for a long yeah, time. Too. Yeah, yeah. So it it, it was yeah, like, yeah. man, you know what? I don't have to play offense, you know, to to get a big payday in the NFL. I can go play defense. So let me let me jump on the other side. Let me try to have some longevity in the game and not have my knees tore up every week. And so that that was the reason why I switched over there to the defensive side. So what was that experience like in Michigan? Obviously, a historical program. Uh, you know, you guys went to a national championship or won a national championship. What was the experience of being a Wolverine like? Man, it was it was it was lovely, man. I mean, it's, this is this is the first time uh, that you you know kind of leave home and you're kind of you know you 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 your own man. You know you you know you go up there. You, of course, we had to stay in the dorms the first two years, um, but you, you kind of making decisions on your own now, man. Your mom ain't in the, you know telling you to come downstairs and get ready for this and that and all that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. It was a great experience to be around, you know, your class of, of freshmen that are coming in and all of you guys are basically just as kids, man, kind of navigating life, you know, kind of kind of learning the ropes, man, of, of you kind of having that, that type of freedom. Uh, but then playing for a, a big time program, you know, the first time I, I ran out into the stadium uh, mm. uh, as, it, as it, you know, we came out for warmups and then when you come out for the actual game and it was full, like man, I, I I lost my breath, man. I was like, oh man, the big yeah. house. I'm like, oh, I'm in, I'm in this thing. They're like, woo, you know what I mean? So it was a uh, it, w- it was a great experience, man. And we did, you know, eventually, you know, get to that championship game my junior year, which 
really just capped it off, man. Just capped off a great experience. So I loved my time in, 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 in Ann Arbor. So Big Ten uh, freshman of the year, sophomore year, you achieve All-American honors. And then your junior year, you pick up that Heisman over Peyton Manning and get a chance to share the national championship with Nebraska. What was that final season like? It was crazy, you know, but I'll get to the, the championship part, but, you know, coming off of uh, my, my sophomore year, you know, we, we lost a couple of close games, man, that, we, that I felt like we shouldn't have lost. And then all of a sudden, people just really start, you know, crushing Michigan. And I remember one, one sports commentator called us um, – they said the M in, in Michigan stood for mediocre. And dude, <laughs> hey, you want to talk about, you want to talk about burning. You want to talk about burning, right. man. So I remember, man, going into that, uh, to that season. And I just said to myself, you know what? I'm, I'm about to show these guys, man, how, how we going to work. How we going to work the entire offseason, man. And so I just went out there, man, focused and, Throughout, throughout that season, I felt like everybody kind of, you know, fed off what people were saying about us. But then at the same time, we went out there and put the work in. And we ended up, right. you know, of course, uh, going undefeated, you know, come down to the you know, our last game playing against, you know, Ohio State and needing to get that win. And I always felt like, man, I, I, my, my, my college experience won't be fulfilled the right way if I don't go out without yeah. going to the Rose Bowl. Got to go to the Rose Bowl, right. and so fine. Got to come. Yeah, to LA. got to man. So finally achieved that man, and got out there, played against Washington State, man, and got got a chance to hold that trophy up as, as the number one team in the country, man. And that was that was everything to me. It's, to me, it's all about all, all of the individual stuff I was able to achieve is great, but man, when you can hold that trophy up, man, as the best team, you know, in the country, man, that's to me that's what it's all about. When you talk about making a business decision, uh, going to Michigan to play defense, and then you talk about all the, the, the shit y'all had to hear after your sophomore season, did that play into you wanting to get more involved on the offensive end your junior year, being a punt returner and a receiver at times? Yeah, so um, after my, my freshman year, we had uh, uh, two receivers, um, Amani Toomer, you guys know Amani, and uh, Mercury Hayes. And those were our starting receivers, and those guys were leaving. So my, my sophomore year, you know, I approached, you know, the coach, and I was like, you know what? Uh, we got two of our best guys leaving, man. You, you might need a little help over there, man, but I, I'll go out on the outside, man. You know, what would you think might be playing some receiver? And uh, he was like, yeah, you know, you know, let me think about it. So then it gave me a couple of plays in, in, in spring ball, and uh, I made, you know, one, one quick, like a little quick hitch and, you know, made a guy missing up the sideline. I think the coach is like, yeah, I think we, we can do something with that, man. So, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my role increased just a little bit, you know, my junior year, made some timely uh, plays on, on offense. Uh, but it was, it, was, it was all to just help the team win. I, I, just, I just wanted to win the championship, man. I didn't care how I got it done. So you end up beating out Peyton Manning. Um, for the Heisman that year, a rarely award that is, that is awarded to the defense. How confident were you? I know obviously winning is most important, but, 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 but was, how was your confidence going into that Heisman situation, knowing how good Peyton Manning was on the other side of the ball and, and the Heisman normally goes to an offensive No player? confidence. No confidence. Mm. No, I, I, not, not, that, not that I – now, I thought I should win, but – you know, right. if, if, you, if you go back to that season and, and you um, you go back to everything that was written or said about, you know, Peyton, I think he could have he could have left early, I believe, and gone to the NFL. But he came back uh, for his senior year 
And that was kind of what people were talking about. Oh, he's coming back to win the Heisman Trophy. And basically, it was his trophy at that point to lose. Like, he was going to win it. And so every week, it was, it was Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning. Um, kind of midway through, then I started to pick up some traction, you know, as, as being the best player in the country. Um, and I remember getting to New York, and, and I was sitting in um, uh, the car going to the hotel, and it was this, this, this huge, you know, four-page uh, article and picture of Peyton Manning. And I was like, oh, man, man. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just gonna be up here. I'm yeah, done. I'm done, man. I'm gonna be up here for right. a couple of days, man, and, that, and that's and that's gonna be it. Um, but you know, to to be in that moment and you know sitting there, you know, in, in that panel, I got my man Randy Moss to my right, you know, Peyton and, and, mm -hmm. and Ryan Leaf, and you know, I always you know share this story that you know they said my name. You know, um, uh, the guy's name was Rudy Riska. You know, he's like from Michigan, and you know, I heard it and I was like, oh. You know, in my mind is turning. It's happening all fast, but in my mind is like slow motion. Like, did he say? Did he say from Michigan? And uh, <laughs> Randy's on my right, and Randy just he kind of gave me a nudge, man. Like, get up. I was like, oh snap, man! I just won the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> I was like, man, That's this dope. is what's up, man. So I didn't, I didn't have a speech prepared, man. None of that, man. I, I, I just got to get up there and wing it. But to think, you know, what I mean, a DB took it from. Yeah. Randy, yeah. who was incredible. Peyton Manning, who was incredible. And Ryan Leaf, who was a great college yeah. player. For a DB to get that award, that, that's huge. Yeah, it don't happen, man. Only one. It's only one, baby. Right. It's only one. Yeah, only one. <laughs> Talk to him. God damn that's it. right. So 1998, the fourth pick to the Oakland Raiders. What was that experience like? Man, it was great. You know, I got to uh, get a chance to go, you know, to the draft. You know, you bring your family up there. Um, you know, it was, you know, Everybody was saying that, you know, I was going to be, you know, the fourth pick to the Raiders. Uh, but then there was, you know, there was some rumblings that maybe the Raiders might trade out of it. And so then all of a sudden at the last minute, you're kind of like, oh, man, I could, I, could, I could actually be sitting here for a while if, if the Raiders don't pick me at four. You know what I mean? But boom, you get that call, man, in that wait in that green room. And uh, I mean, it's just I don't I don't even know how you explain that, man, because, you know, you grow up watching, you know, the NFL and, you know, hoping one day maybe you get a chance to play it and all of a sudden you get that call and it's like, it's solidified, like, man, hey man, you going into the NFL, you know? And so to, to be able to get drafted by, you know, a storied franchise, you know, Al Davis, the Silver and Black, you know, the Oakland Raiders, Tim Brown, Howie Long, right. Willie Brown, it was like, and, and I, I don't really know, you know, the history at this point, like, like I do now, but you know, once I got in there and kind of got you know immersed in it, it was like, man, I'm in, I'm a, I'm a Raider, <laughs> you know what I mean? So Damn. yeah, man. So what was that experience like? Jack and I got a chance to. That's where you know Jack and I obviously knew each other playing, but we became brothers when we played in Oakland together for the Warriors. Talk to us about what that city was like and the energy around the town because sports is everything to the fans. Yeah, man, that town love is deep, man. That that, mm -hmm. that town love is deep, man, and they they absolutely. Love the Oakland Raiders, man, and and there's there, there's a you know there's a like you said you guys played there, man. So there's a there's an energy there um, that you just don't catch a lot of other places, man. You know when you when you walk into that stadium, man, on game day, and you know you see the silver and black, you see the black hole, you know you see them guys, you see the fans in the, in the stands, man, ready to to root their team on, man. It's like you can 
ready yeah, to fight yeah, too. Yeah, they ready to fuck yeah, motherfuckers yeah, up they, too. Yeah, they will. They will. You know, we <laughs> we, we, we we've come it. out of games, man, and they say, "Hey, man, something happened to buddy in the bathroom," and we be like, "Dang, they they getting down, <laughs> right?" So it, it's kind of yeah, yeah. they they, they calmed it down as the years went on. But man, when hey, when I got there, man, don't don't come in there, man, with that other jersey on, talking slick. <laughs> Sometimes you ain't even got to talk. Sometimes you just got to have that other. It, it could be. It could be the wrong day. Straight up. Any crazy stories you remember from your time, kind of either on or off the field, that were just like, "Yo, I'm at, what the? This is what the NFL is like." Um, you know, I think probably like just off the top of my head, like you know, being being you know going on away games, you know. Everybody, you know, you brought your, you know, your favorite beverage, you know what I mean? And a lot of times, a lot of times coming home from them games, man, you know, when, when it gets to flowing, you know, a lot of those real emotions come out, man. And, you know, times when guys was getting heated on the plane, man, all of a sudden, man, they step off that bus back at the facilities and pop, pop. It's like, oh, these cats in the NFL ain't playing around. You know what I mean? So, uh. <laughs> so yeah, that thing, the NFL, man, it'll get real on you. We had some crazy uh, returning to Oakland story. Remember, uh, remember that time we was going to my place, jacket, and uh, we was in, in my truck, and BD was talking about who's riding with us. <laughs> yeah, and and he blew my mind when he said Biggie. Oh, he said he said he said Big was cheering for us, and we was getting off the elevator. He said, "Yeah, hey, stack, Pac two. Come on, come on. This, hey, this is what this this when we was making our We Believer. I got a, a, a just a random ass story. So I remember my freshman year at UCLA was '98, and you came to UCLA and you was fucking with BD, and I happened yeah. to just go over BD's house this one this one I remember time, that. and I come in. And I fanned yeah. out. I like I, I saw you, and then I backed away for a little bit. I said, "Is that motherfucking Charles Woodson right there sitting on Baron's couch?" Like I tripped out because I'm a huge, huge football yeah. fan. And came in, and you was kicking, and you was cool as a fan, man. Just quiet to yourself, yep. but just a real cool dude. So I remember meeting you my freshman year at UCLA because you was kicking it with Baron. But you know, we got a lot of crazy ass Baron Davis stories, but we'll save those Too many. for another day. No doubt. <laughs> now I remember that story, man. So you yep. went. Yeah, no, that was crazy. So you win Defensive Rookie of the Year, Pro Bowl soon after, All-Pro, playing 16 years. There's – I guess it's more in the NBA now is this management and, and we kind of – you know, we rest and all this stuff. But for you to consistently play 16 games every season in such a physical sport, I mean, we just got to commend you for that, man, because that, that shit is tough to do. You know, we play basketball, it's a little bit physical, but to be out there every single day and suit up as a football player, man, that, 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 that's, that's tough to do. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you say that because, I, you know, I sit back, I watch games now, um, or if I'm at a game and I'm on the sideline and, you know, guys are out there giving it everything they got and all of a sudden there's a tackle that's near you and I can, I, I, I can hear the contact, I see the physicalness of the game, and I sit there and I think to myself, man, how in the hell did you do this for so long? You know, getting up every week, man, you know, practice and, you know, playing on Sundays. And sometimes, you know, you, you know, you get up on Sunday morning, you still feeling last Sunday, you know. Um, and the one thing that, that gets you through, you know, going back to the fans and walking out into the walking out into the stadium. Like once you get out there into that stadium, man, sometimes that energy from the crowd hits energy. you, man, and that's you. Yeah. That's what you need, you know. Otherwise, man, you, you be trying to stay back in the, in the hotel room and sleep it off. <laughs> For real. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's a tough game, man. But you know what? When you love it, 
you know, and you, 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 you're fighting for a chance to win the championship, man, you'll run through a wall. Can you real quick kind of walk us through, because like I said, me being a fan of the game, my brother getting a chance to play some semi-pro football, what your week is like? Because your guys' bodies are really beat up, and like you just said, without that adrenaline sometimes, shit, you'll know where you would be. So what is your routine? So if you play on Sunday, walk us through the week leading up to the following Sunday. Game's over. You know, now it's, it's on to the next opponent. Uh, but what you'll do is on that Monday, you'll go in and you'll watch film of the game you just played. You know, kind of go over, um, you know, any corrections that, that the coaches have seen. You know, they'll give you a grade, you know, as far as how you performed, whether or not you missed any assignments. So you might have some, if you got a bunch of red check marks on there, it's like school. Your ass had a bad day. Um, so then, you know, after that, either, either before or after that, you know, you get you a workout in, you know, you know, try to, you know, just trying to work through everything, man, to keep yourself mobile. And then, uh, you know, after that, you know, usually Monday, usually Tuesdays are your days off. So between Monday and Tuesday, you're trying to figure out, you know, when you're going to try to get your massage in and all that stuff, man, to try to, you know, work some of that stuff out. Uh, Wednesdays. Wednesdays and, and Thursdays are your long practice. Uh, usually Wednesdays are, you know, first and, you go over first and second down. Um, so that, that day is going to be long. You're going to get out of there maybe 5, you know, 5.30 or so. Um, Thursday is going to kind of be the same thing. You're going to go over your third down and then, you know, kind of marry some, some, some red zone, which we'll have on Friday, and then some, still some first and second down stuff. But it's mainly, you know, you focus on that third down and trying to get off the football field. Uh, so that's going to be another long day, 5, 5.30. Then Friday rolls around. Uh, Friday, you're going to go over red zone. You know, it's going to be more of a, a walkthrough tempo for portions of it. And then you'll get into uh, really some, some game management type stuff. Uh, so, but it's a shorter day. You know, you probably get out of there. You know, everything will be done probably 1.30, 2 o'clock. On Saturday, you're going to walk through in the morning, you know, meet, you know, watch some film. It's going to be pretty light. And then... Uh, uh, Saturday night, you meet up at the hotel, and uh, you also you'll go through your individual meetings, uh, team meeting, you know, uh, uh, pregame or nightly before the game meal or whatnot, curfew at eleven, and then man, you mm -hmm. back at it again on Sunday, ready to roll. Let me touch on that 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 curfew because you know as basketball players we didn't have the I guess maybe the, the structure from a standpoint and you guys are really in there all day when you go to the facility you in there in the morning and like you said 5 30 you know like a real like a real work yeah day. nine to five you know, yeah nine to five there, yeah we go in there we get our extra shots we watch film we get stretched we lift we do all that shit we practice we're still out of there in more, no more than three hours sometimes with Nelly we, we motherfucking be out there in and out that bitch in 45 minutes sometimes yeah. <laughs> but to have that kind of like <clears throat> curfew and the, did, did you guys have roommates or was that only for the players that weren't like superstars how did that shit work some guys like the uh, room on the road um i had my own room uh when you first came in like rookie i think rookies second year players you had to have a roommate but if okay. you if you're older in the game you, you stay in the room by yourself so yeah okay I couldn't imagine having no rug. I couldn't get nothing off on the road with a rug. Hey, man. Nah, I couldn't have done that. Cut it out. Like, speak, 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 <laughs> speaking of y'all, man, I, I know I know y'all don't have curfew. I lived in Atlanta for about eight years, man. I remember, man. So, so you seen Jack a lot. Man, I, I, seen, I seen Jack a few times. <laughs> I seen him a few times, man. And uh, I remember being out one night, man. It's, bro, it's 5, 6 in the morning, man. And I see my man AI. AI is out there in the, you know, at the club, man. And. Like, damn, this man, how's he out? This, he got a game tomorrow. 
Man, man, AI got out there and gave them people 45 points, man. I said, she, well, he, he know what he doing. <laughs> he know what he doing. Some of us can do it. Because I always wondered that I would hear the curfew, I hear the roommates, and then you, you on the flip side with us, you know, that whole Warrior team, we would be out till the sun came up sometimes yeah. and still have a game that night and still went hard the whole night. Yeah. Just, like I said, it was just so much different to where, like I said, the struggle, not that we were, well, we, we were actually wild, but I'm just saying as far as the structure and the rules and the regulations, we didn't have that kind of shit. You know, once we got to the league, it was like, like you say, like you're real, like you really yeah. don't. So everything, you on your own, doing whatever you got to yeah. do. And some people can handle it and some can't. Right. Right, and, and to really, I mean, I think that freedom, that leash that they give you, some motherfuckers hang themselves yeah. with it. Because like you said, if you can't, yeah. you out here doing whatever, and you're not performing on Sunday or, or when the ball goes up at 7.30 for us, you hanging yourself. Right. No doubt about it. Yeah, I almost Talk, did. I, <laughs> you was able to turn that, that, that uh, leash into a motherfucking gold chain, Jack. You made it work. <laughs> lasso. I thought it was a lasso. We pull all that cash in. <laughs> So, uh, what, what was it like you as a player evolving into the one of the best defensive players of the, of the game, your team evolving into a contender uh, all while under John Gruden? Yeah, man, it's, it's really, to me, it's about experience. You know, the more you play, um, I think the, the better you get, the more understanding of the game, the more time you're in certain situations, the better you get, the more times you see things, the better you get. Um, so, I just, you know, as a player – you know, being able to come in as a rookie and start and play 16 games, uh, I, I felt like I feel like for any player, man, from your first year to your second year, should, it should be your biggest your biggest jump if you're able to play, you know, 16 games. So um, I was thrown into the fire, you know, in the NFL, man, and, which was great for me because I wanted to be out there anyway. But we 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 built the team, man. Uh, Gruden and um, you know our GM and everything. They 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 started building building that contender, you know, bringing in some pieces, you know, and putting them in the right places. You know, we were a veteran team, you know, so we had Tim Brown who was there when I already got there. Then Jerry Rice came, um, outside linebacker named William Thomas, and, you know, Eric Allen was there. So we had some veteran guys, and then we added some pieces, man, that, you know, got us to, to being a, a contender uh, in the league. And so, you know, I was around some, some guys, man, like some real live, you know, legends, man, Eric Turner, Eric Allen, you know, then Rich Gannon came in. And so I was – I was Jerry Wright, man. Come on, man. Uh, Charlie Garner, my, my right. boy Charlie, man. So I, I had, some, he was a yeah, beast. man. So I had some real, I had some real dudes. I felt like I couldn't help but get better. So in 2000, uh, 12 and four season, you guys losing the AFC Championship to the Ravens. Uh, 2001, you guys go 10 and six, beat the Jets in the wild card, go to New England. 2000, tell me what you remember about this day, because I remember it was crazy. I don't know where we were at, but we were walking through the airport, and we caught the end of this game. January 9, 2002, <laughs> Raiders at the Patriots, the snow game, and where a new rule was created <laughs> on the fly because of a bullshit call. Yeah, Talk to us about what happened, uh, that particular play with Tom Brady, which eventually led them to go on to win their first Super Bowl. Yeah, they pulled that thing out of thin air, man. Uh, crazy. But – you know, I just remember, um, you know, they called a uh, a blitz. You know, I was I was playing in the, on the in the inside. I was playing nickel. They called a blitz, and uh, you know, I'm coming off that that left side. He don't see me coming. You know, he don't he don't know I'm coming, and I could see him, you know, bring that ball this way because he was about to throw it, and then he brought it back. And right as he was bringing that thing back, boom, I'm slapping at the ball. Now the game the game is over. You know what I'm saying? Because there was, I think, a minute and 52 seconds left or some something crazy like that. 
And all we had to do was kneel on the ball. And we were going to run the, run the sure. clock out. Boom, game over. We move on. I think we would have played Pittsburgh. And, and we'd have our shot at, a, at you know getting to the Super Bowl at that point. And so we get to the sideline. And, and they say it's under two minutes. So then it's a, it's a booth review, right? Automatic. And so, but we're like, shit, it's a fumble. What they looking at? It? What they looking at anywhere? You know what I mean? And so it seemed like it took a lifetime for them to come back with a decision. And so we're all sitting on the sideline, like, what, what, what would be taking so long? The man fumbled the ball, knocked the ball out. We recovered, like game over. And so he comes back, you know, with, with the, the uh, quarterback's hand was going forward, you know, tuck rule. And so, man, you could have, you could, you could have. You could have pushed me over, man, with, with, with your with, with your index finger, man. Just just push me down, man. I, you talk about you talking about a sideline deflated, man. You guys play sports, man. You know how you know how momentum uh, uh, affects your team, whether you have it or if you don't have it. And it just, man, it just bam, it crushes, man. And so they end up going down, I believe, you know, kicking a field goal, tying it, tying it up, and then all of a sudden now we're in overtime and we're. I'll be honest, man. I think we were still trying to figure out how are we in overtime. You know, man. This game, this game right, should have yeah. been over, and then they drove down far enough and kick a field goal um, to win the game, man. And, and that was that, man. I just, I was, I was devastated. I was hurt. You know, I, I think when you, you know it, man. When you put, when you put your heart and soul into something, and you feel like it gets taken from you, like not fair and squarely, like not yeah. just, not just head up, yeah. man. That hurt, man. That's the worst yep. part, especially for you guys, because you guys don't play as many games as us. But anytime, like you say, you put everything into it and it's and it's out of your hands. It's taken from like you lose, you lose a game. That shit is hard to yeah. swallow. But when that shit is taken from you with the with, with with the circumstances that were on the line for you guys in that particular game, and I like I said, I remember being in the airport. We were at UCLA and we were come. We had just finished the game, maybe in Arizona. So the, like the whole little terminal was watching this motherfucking game, and everyone's like, "What? Wait, wait, what? Just they what that." They, they gave him the ball back like we were all tripping right. out like how did that happen yep. but that had to be tough man and like I said that was the first time they get a chance to go on and get their first Super Bowl so 2002 um Gruden moves on to uh Tampa Bay how did that go down did you have any sense that you know there was there was some rumblings in the front office between him and the front office or was it a random move what happened yeah I mean I don't I don't I don't. I still don't really truly understand how it went down. But I, I, I remember. I think I was. I think I was at home, um, and somebody gave me a call. They were like, "Hey, uh, your, your team just traded John Gruden to to Tampa," and and uh, I was like, "Traded?" I was like, "You can't you can't trade a coach." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I was, like that was that was so foreign to me. Like they traded John Gruden. I was like, I don't even know what y'all talking about. I don't even understand that. And so then all of a sudden, man, you know, you get, you get, you go over to the facilities like, yeah, man, Gruden is gone. I'm like, what the, like, we just, we just, we got a good team. We just got beat by such and such, you know, so we basically going to have the same team coming back and you, you trade the coach. Come on, man. So that was, that was just, uh, I don't know. That was straight out of the twilight zone, man. I, I, I still don't quite understand, man, what. What made Al at that time say, you know, let's let's trade Gruden, and then after that, man, we we went to the Super Bowl, played Gruden in the Super Bowl, and we know how that went down, man. It, it got ugly for us out there, uh, but it was it was tough. But talk to us about that though, because I mean, in 2002, when he left, that was the first time you sustained your first real injury. You had a shoulder injury that you know had you missed eight games, also had a leg injury. You come back, you guys win the AFC. 
you guys are facing your former coach the very next year in the Super Bowl. What went wrong that week? I remember uh, your center, what was it, Bear Robbins? Yeah. Your center was in Mexico or some shit. So, like, what, what did you feel the energy was off? Or do you feel like you guys were all the way locked in um, for that particular matchup? Or was the energy off? Man, that Tampa Bay defense was a problem. No, Tampa Bay's defense was good, but we felt like we had the team uh, that could beat them. But we we feel, you know, a lot of us feel like, you know, our, our game plan ended up, you know, our coach at the time uh, ended up switching the game plan, you know, last minute. And it, 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 it really take you to, you know, talk to Tim Brown, who played on the offense to kind of like get, in, get into the details of that. But, yeah, Barrett, Barrett, Barrett Robbins late in the week ended up, um, you know, I don't know where he, I don't know where he was, you know, but all of a sudden you hear these whispers, hey man, Barrett Robbins is missing. Now, Barrett Robbins, now, people don't really remember. He's, pro he's oh, probably bro. the best center in football. That, now that's facts. Absolutely. He's probably the best center in football. Absolutely. And so to lose him, you know, it hurt. But as long as we were able to, if we would have stuck to our game plan, I think we would have been fine. So when we get out to that game, you know, a lot of what we did offensively was to the outside. Well, Tampa Bay runs Tampa too, so you can't. You, you're not going to beat them to the sideline with running because they they are fast defense. Derrick Brooks in the middle, he's sideline to sideline, sapping them boys. They coming. You have to really attack them like up the middle, and we waited way too late. And late in the game, we scored you know a couple of touchdowns by hitting them up the middle of the field, but it was too late. We had thrown two interceptions by that time. They had ran maybe two interceptions back for touchdowns, something crazy. Then they scored another one on defense. Before you know it, man, we were, we were down 21, 28 points or something crazy. I remember that because that was the year I won the NBA championship, and I remember uh, celebrating with, the, uh, with Tampa Bay. And I was looking at their defense, bro. That's why I said that. Warren Sapp, David, Derek Brooks, McFarland, they had some animals on that defense, bro. Yeah, they were, they were, it was fast, see, I, fast flowing defense, man. Take, take nothing away from them on that. See, I thought the Raiders had the offense, though. They had Rich Gannon, had the receivers, had uh, you, you still had Garner, didn't you? Garner, Zach yeah. Crockett, Wheatley. Yeah, yeah, Wheatley. Yep. yeah. That's no, what they had. No, I Wheatley. thought they. Yeah. Had, I see. That's what I thought. Like I said, they had a hell of a defense, but I thought that offense matched up well with them. You know, well enough to beat them, but it, you know, yeah, it happened. So the next three seasons yep. kind of go up in the air, riddled with injury. You sign a seven-year deal. With Green Bay, was that a tough decision? Ching, uh, ching. Leaving the Raiders, or, 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 or was the time you felt like your time was up to make a move? Yeah, they uh, the Raiders had franchised me twice um, at that point, and then after that season, playing with your money, playing yep, with your money. Yep. And then after that season, um, I, I believe I forget who the GM was at the time. I think he made a statement that you know there was no value to bringing me back uh, to the Raiders. So mm. it was like. All right, well, the writing's on the wall. I, I got to get up out of here. So that offseason, you know, I'm a free agent. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was trying to get to Tampa because Groom was there, right? So he's my coach. So I'm trying to get to Tampa. Uh, that didn't work out. So then it was another uh, – Jacksonville had a great defense. I was, then I was my, – my focus was on Jacksonville. They said they didn't need a corner. I'm like, damn. Uh, so then, you know, I'm trying for, for, for a few other teams. And then all of a sudden, you know, Green Bay started reaching out. Um, and, you know, I, I was very reluctant. You know, I, I, I never had any plans on going to Green Bay. But Green Bay, they, they made the effort. And, uh, you know, they, they made an offer that it was like, hey, you know what I'm saying? I, want, I know I want to play football. You know what I mean? And they made me a great offer. It was like, all right, well, you know what? I'm going to Green Bay and see what happens. And then, you know, I got there, man. And all of a sudden, 
you know, people started trying me out there on the field, and then the interceptions started rolling in. And man, it was it was all good from there. So we wanted to know what was it like, you know, obviously. Lambeau is a historic field. There's so much tradition and history. It's cold as a motherfucker out there. What was it like playing, like, call it Lambeau, your home? It's interesting because we talked about growing up in uh, my hometown and, you know, having the stadium kind of being right in the center of the community. That's the way Green Bay was. And so it, it kind of felt like, you know, growing up, it felt like, you know, that Friday Night Lights type of feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. When, you know, the families got together and, and you walked to the football game and tail five dollar tailgating signs in people's driveway you you need to park you park right here you walk to the game and you know the tailgating was was live and uh you know i remember um they they have a a a, a team scrimmage every year and i remember going to this scrimmage this this is you know in training camp and it was seventy two thousand people there for the scrimmage and we ain't even we ain't even really going we ain't going really live live i mean it's live but it ain't yeah right I was like, oh man, okay, this is this 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 is cool, right? Hey, yeah. ain't shit else out there yeah, to do. Man. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> meet up, meet up at the game, baby. Yeah, so um, right. so yeah, man. It, it ended up, um, you know, being a great experience. It took me a while to kind of you know get acclimated to it, you know, because I was reluctant to go there. Um, but once I just got got there, you know, kind of settled down and started making plays. Um, had some young guys with me, man, some young dogs, you know, back there in the secondary who um, was out there making plays, too. So then we just started having fun, man. And so that's that to me, man, it made all the difference, you know, settling down in the community and then having fun on the football field. Man, it was all good from there. Absolutely. So like you said, your first year, they thought you had lost a step and you had to fuck around and lead the league in interceptions with eight interceptions that had to, what was that feeling like? You know what I mean? Had, had, had battled a little bit, go to a place you weren't really sure with, but once you got your footing, you come out like, like nothing had changed. Was it, was that refreshing obviously to kind of let you know, okay, let's go. We here. Yeah. I, I was like, Q man, mess around and hit a triple double on him. You know what I mean? Uh, but, but, but yeah, you know, you, I had to hear, I had to hear all of the talk, you know, of course, you know, I did have some injuries like you mentioned, uh, but everybody was talking about, Hey, he, you know, he's lost a step. And I remember one, one, um, like, I forget what it was magazine had me rated like the 200 something player in the league. And I, that, that, that reminded me of the mediocre Michigan. So I was like, ah, oh, man, we can't have that. We can't have that on my, uh, have that on my name, man. So, um, you know, the competition as far as I was talking about the young fellas on the team, man, we like really started competing, man, in practice. And, you know, I was trying to let these guys know, man, hey, you know, when you get out on the field, man, you're going to see everything you saw on film, man. Let's start getting this ball. So we started having a lot of competition and it just made the game fun. And so we just continued to get better and better as a group. Um, and I, I played with, you know, um, Brett Favre was there at first. So. My second year there, you know, we make it to the you know championship game, you know, end up losing to the Giants. But, you know, we knew we had good players, you know, on that team, man, to where we were going to be competitive. That's definitely what the, the next thing I was going to ask you was seeing kind of the, the, the end for Brett Favre, who was, you know, at the time, they're everything. Uh, did you see what, I guess, the coaching staff saw in, in, in Aaron Rodgers? No, qu yeah, no question. No question. I think we, we, we all knew it, man. And I think the, the one thing was, too, it was like, you know, Brett, uh, for those couple of years, you know, he didn't know if he was coming back or not coming back. 
Uh, and so everybody was kind of, you know, figuring out, hey, dang, you know, what's Brett going to do? But in the back of our mind, we were like, if he if he leaves, we, I think we're we going to be good. all right, man, because we, we got a dude over there that's sitting behind it, man, that can, can chuck that thing around, man. And he had, I mean, you talk about a live arm and throwing on, throwing, throwing dimes on the run and accurate as ever, man. We definitely, we definitely saw it. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What was the dynamic like uh, between, what, what, was there, was it smooth, or what was that dynamic like between Favre and Rodgers? Yeah, I think those two had their, had their friction early on. I think when you look at, um, uh, I remember a couple of years ago when um, the, the Steelers brought in a backup for Ben Roethlisberger, and he was mad because they brought in a backup. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, man, I'm still here. Why we, we don't need a backup quarterback? Um, I think they I think they had that dynamic, and, and I think, uh, you know, Brett took a little bit of offense to that. I think Brett said something along the lines of, you know, he don't need to, you know, help the next guy, um, you know, that, that you bring in. You know, his thought was, man, I'm the quarterback. You brought him in. You help him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so... You didn't like for, for me, you know, being on the defensive side, you really don't see all that goes on with those guys because they have their meetings or whatnot. But I know they did have, uh, you know, a, a rocky start, uh, which I think uh, since then have kind of mended those uh, those problems. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it happens. Yeah. So, is Aaron Rodgers' first season 2008? Is that his first year? His first quarterback? year start, yep. Uh, so, there's no playoffs that year. Right. Uh, 09, you guys uh, losing the wild card to the Cardinals. 2010, the road to the Super Bowl. A 10-6 and six season, but get hot at the right time. You guys beat the Eagles in the wild card. Falcons in the division. Uh, NFC Championship, you beat the Bears, and then you face the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Talk to us about your second time around in the Super Bowl. What's the second time around like for you? Yeah, I finally got back, man. You know, it's hard to get there. That's, that's what I learned. It's hard right. to get to that Super Bowl. Hell yeah. Um, but, you know, we were coming off a season, you mentioned 2009. That was our best team, actually. Uh, and we, we screwed that off in the playoffs against Arizona. But we came back, you know, that next season, man, knowing that, you know, we, we had basically the same players. Man, we, we got to get it done this particular season. And then what's crazy is that throughout that season, injury after injury hit that team, man. We ended up having mm -hmm. 16 players, I think it was, on IR. And I'm talking about some dogs. You guys know Jermichael Finley. The guys that were yeah, playing. Yeah, Jermichael right? Finley was our tight end, man. He was a matchup nightmare for people. Uh, he ended up getting hurt. So we, we had some real dogs uh, that got hurt. Um, and so we kind of we limped along a little bit, you know, through the season. And I remember we had to win our last two games just to have the opportunity to get in. But then we also needed some help. So what was crazy is that um, I don't know if you guys remember that punt return that Deshaun uh, Jackson ran back against Jackson New York. Yep. We, we needed them to win that game. And they won the game. Of course, we had to win our two. Yo, but and that punt return was fucking insane. It was crazy, by the right? Way. Shit bounced yeah. around and he took yeah. off and took it to the house. Yeah, you know. So I mean, this 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 game is crazy that way. And so we kind of we kind of mm -hmm. you know we but we go in we limp through the season, but we go into the playoffs hot because we beat uh, we had to beat New York, we had to beat Chicago, and then we're the road team, we're the sixth seed. But our confidence at that point was so high, it was so high, man. We knew. It didn't, it didn't matter. We, we just said to ourselves, man, if they let us in, it's on. And uh, we, 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 we ran through that thing, man. Mm. So what was it like to finally be able to call yourself a, a Super Bowl champion after, you know, thinking you were going to get it the first time, it doesn't go your way, the yeah. second time around is the charm. What's yeah. that like? Yeah, You know, I got a tattoo, man, after that, man, with the Lombardi Trophy that says my rightful place in history. That's, that's, that's how I feel about that. You know, I, I, I just – I could never accept, you know – just like I mentioned college that I couldn't win, I couldn't leave without a championship. I couldn't play the NFL. I couldn't play my career, man, and not have a championship. I, I just, I would have never accepted the fact that I played how many other years and never got to the show and won it. Like that would have been, that would have been unacceptable, you know? So um, to finally, you know, be able to hold up the Lombardi trophy, man, and, and get that win, man, that was everything. 2011, Aaron Rodgers goes crazy. You guys go 15-1. and one. He throws for 45 touchdowns, only six picks, 4,600 yards. As a someone who played offense early in your career, what was it like to be able to sit back and just watch this dude every single day do what he did? He's a monster, man. He's a monster. I think, I think it was it's, – uh, it's one of those things where for our team, we became too reliable on that. Um, I think that I think that our our staff even did that, you know, as far as not mm -hmm. bringing in, you know, some proper proper pieces defensively to keep up with what he was doing offensively. So we always felt like, mm -hmm. you know, for us on our, on our end, if things weren't going well, all right, we got a Rod, he's gonna bring it home. But you mm -hmm. know, after a while, man, that 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 wears off. And when you talk about that year, he he, he goes off, right? 
we still get to the to to um, the uh, game against the Giants, and there there the Giants are again, and, and they 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 beat us again on their way to the Super Bowl. So, uh, but but sitting back and, and and being able to watch him, man, it's it's like an art. It's an art form, man. It's watching art, you know, watching him be able to just you know paint all over that field, man. I, I love watching that dude play. 2012 was your last year in Green Bay. Back to the Raiders. What took you back? Back to the Bay, man. For your final yeah, two seasons. Yeah, back to the Bay. For your final two seasons. Yeah. What was it like? It was, it was a homecoming. You know, I, I I left there, never really talked to anybody in the organization. It was just, it was like, it was it was over. It was done. And so right. when when that offseason came around, I'm a free agent. You know, uh, I took I went out to uh, Denver. I went out to San Francisco. I went out to Denver. I really thought I would actually sign with one of those teams because I was trying to get signed, man, get myself ready to play. And it didn't happen. And then I remember Zach Crockett. Zach was working for the Raiders. Zach called me and said, hey, man, come on home. I was like, what you talking about, Zach? He's like, man, come on home, man. You need to come on out here, sign back. And I was like, hey, okay. I, my, my wheels start turning. And so then uh, set up the visit, man, and I got out there, man, and, and Raider fans that were sitting outside the facility, man, all day waiting for me to get. Wait, yeah, no, it was crazy. Hell it yeah. was crazy. That's what they yeah. do, though. That's why I fuck with the Bay yeah. Area fans, yeah. man. They fuck with their players, yeah. man. I it, love was, it. it was crazy love, man. And, and I got out, and I just I remember people saying, man, hey, man, see what we, you know, I, uh, the social media, we staying outside, uh, and you ain't leaving without signing. And, I, and, I, and, I, and yeah. they, they meant and that I, shit they too. They meant it, man. And I'd be damned, man, if I didn't if I didn't get a deal done with those guys, man, and sign with the Raiders. So it was it was it was special, man, because I didn't know how I didn't know how the fans were going to take it. The news that I was coming back out there, none of that. I did, I had no clue because I hadn't really I hadn't had that interaction. And when I when when that happened, man, my 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 blood was boiling, man. I was it was like, man, this this is this this this, this feels good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obviously, it didn't help to be oxygen in a little bit warmer weather, too. You know it. Getting up there in age. You know it. <laughs> yeah. Getting up there in age. So, when you think about it, man, 18 years in the NFL, 11 of those 18 years, you played all 16 games. When did you know it was time? Did your body start breaking down? Did your mind start wondering? When did you know it was time for me to hang it up? So, my last year, the first game of the season, uh, I dislocate my shoulder. And... Then the third game of the season, I, I sustained a grade two MCL. So every every week from then on, from the first game of the season, I was fighting mentally to, to get myself, you know, ready mentally to play the game of football. So so going out there, trying to practice, trying to hobble around, you know, of course, they, they took care of me. They, they, they weren't going to make me practice the whole time. Uh, Jack Del Rio was the coach. They made sure that I could I could go in and. You know, come out for walkthroughs, go into the, the, our training facilities and, and do whatever I needed to do to get myself ready. But every every day mentally was a struggle because I was in pain, man. Um, I had a uh, physical therapist that I had never used one like a th therapist, you know, for that consistently my whole career. But my last year I used a physical therapist and that really got me through. Um, but one morning I woke up in Detroit and uh, I said, man, I don't want to play no more. And it, it was like the 10th game of the season. It was like November 15th, I believe, uh, 2015. And um, uh, I just, I looked out the window, it was snowing. And I was like, man, if they called the game right now, I'd be the happiest man in the world. And that's what I knew, I knew right then. I was like, it's over. 
Right. And, and so I ended up playing, uh, I think, six more games. And I was really in cruise control. You know, I was just, I was just, I was playing the game because I played it for so long. But I was, but I was done. I was, I, I was done. So I played six games, retired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but, but that was, that was it. That was the moment, man. I remember it like it was yesterday. People don't know, ninety percent of the game is yeah, mental, man. and if you mentally not there, that's when it starts getting dangerous, especially in your sport. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you transition. How did broadcasting come about? It kind of fell in me and Jack's lap. It was something that we didn't really think about, and all of a sudden, oh, shit, you guys are good at this. How did it happen uh, in, in, in your path? Well, what, what I didn't know is that, you know, networks, they, they're, looking for, they're looking for guys, you know, so they were, they were probably looking for you, but you, you don't know they're looking for you, right? We right. didn't know, so, right. So, you know, there were some articles that came out that, hey, man, this, these are the guys that may be good on television, and I was like, Damn, I, you know, I, I never even talked to anybody about that, you know. Um, so then uh, we started, I, I got an agent. We started talking to uh, some of the different networks, man. I had a couple of meetings. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, right after that season, man, I was signed to ESPN and I was working. You know, I signed a three-year deal with ESPN and working for the wide world leader in sports, man. It was crazy. Like it was, it's kind of like you guys. I didn't, I didn't have a clue, yeah, uh, same but, thing. but that was it. So next chapter, it looks like it's been pretty fun. Uh, you're currently working for Fox Sports, doing a bunch of different shows, working with the NFL. Um, you also have some outside interests. Um, how did you get into wine and spirits? Yeah, I got into wine, man, from uh, my time out in, uh, with the Raiders. You know, the training camp is in Napa Valley. So I just I started drinking wine, you know, while I was out there, man, and decided, man, yeah, I want to I wanna be a part of this, you know, long term. And so I, I started my own label back in uh, 2005. Uh, with, a, with, a, with a friend of mine out there in Napa. Um, and so we, we started this label called 24, you know, by Charles Woodson. Um, so we did that for for an extended period, period of time. And then about a year ago, I teamed up, uh, partnered with a supplier out of uh, Paso Robles. And so that's the wine I have now, which uh, you guys have, which is the Intercept. I'm not much of a wine guy, but I am a whiskey yeah. guy. So I, I appreciate yeah. this. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and take a shot to your honor on camera, on air. Well, shit, I, 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 I'm a, I'm a, I, I, I'm, I'm a wine guy, and if y'all, if y'all ever come up with some ports, I'm a port drinker, man. Oh. Send me a port. Or All two. right, we, we'll do that. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna drink mine out of glass. I see how you doing it. I'm gonna pour mine. I'm I like how you do it. I'm straight out the bottom. I, I didn't got, I, I, hey, I got real sophisticated in my old age, so I. Hey. Just put your, as long as you put your pinky, as long, hey, as long as you put your pinky up while you drinking, it, you good. Nice, yeah. nice. That's smooth nice, though. Nice, smooth. Yeah, I'm definitely nice. a whiskey guy. I opened up the box last night. I'm like, oh hell yeah. Yes sir. Yes sir. Yeah. So man, I, I start. I started this. Um, started this deal earlier. Earlier in, in 2020, right? And so we had our first release about about a month ago, man. And it's uh really well, man. People are really enjoying it, and uh, I'm just I'm just happy, man. Proud of it, man. It's it's this is this is my thing. So I got the wine. That's I got up. the bourbon. Who knows what's next? Well, you got my address, though, so whenever you feel like just <laughs> shooting some whiskey bottles out to Cali, baby, I'm going to make sure I'm going to drink them up. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Love it. What kind of uh, lasting impact you looking to make with this company, with being this, with Spirits? First of all, you know, for me, you know, when you're out all the time, you know, you see, you know, a, a lot of different uh, you know, wine lists. And, you know, there's always some staples that people have on, on wine lists. You know, there's always a, a, a Mandavi, always going to be a Canis. Um I want to be in that mix somehow, 
You know, I want you to be able to go, you know, somewhere in L.A., wherever you guys at, and I want you to look on, go to, you know, three or four different restaurants, and you see Intercept on those lists. That's that's what we're trying to move Being to. Black owned at, at yeah, that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And so we're in we're in 45 states now, um, looking to be in all 50. But I want to be that I want to be that staple. I want to be that household uh, name. I want people to know Intercept. So that's what I'm looking to do. Well, best of luck with nice. that. Tell me what it means to you. You've obviously had, you know, the, the, the privilege of playing in the NFL for 18 years, but you're a black business owner. How important is that to you, and, and, and what kind of pride does that bring when someone mentions that to you? Yeah, very proud, I, and, I, and I think it's uh, more so, um, to me, a big deal just because, you know, you play in the NFL, and, uh, you know, people they put you in that box, you know what I mean? And so for me to be in, you know, First, you know, the wine business and then now into bourbon, you know, you just break all of those stereotypes. You just kick out of that, you know, kick out of all those boxes. You know what I'm saying? You make your own way. And I think that and I think that's what it's all about. And I think what it also does, man, is it gives, you know, young, you know, young kids, young African, African-American kids, you know, that sight of, hey, man, here's a, a black business owner, man, doing something that people probably didn't expect him to be doing. Man, I could do it too. You know, man. And I, yeah, you got to see it, see it to believe it. So that's that's what it's all about. Transitioning now to the NBA, do you watch teams, players? If so, who are some of your favorites? Yeah, mainly. Uh, I don't really have a team, so uh, you know, it's, it's players that I that I usually watch. Um, of course, you know, you got to watch LeBron. It's hard not to watch, you know, greatness. You know, a li- li- living legend in the game. Um, young kid, John ja Morant. You know what I'm saying? This is a special kid, man. I know he was dealing with an injury, but uh, a special player. And then, of course, man, you know it's hard. It's hard not to watch. You know, KD and his comeback, and, and watching him come off an injury, still out there lighting it up. Shot is shot, man, shot, crazy, shot right? is still as smooth as ever. And I and I like I like Steph out here, man. You know, he, he, people was trying to criticize him how he's gonna do it with no help, and then he comes back, man, and, and yeah. shoots the lights out on the team, man. So I, I love that, man. What's your thoughts on the on the current NBA versus the NBA when you was growing up? It's it's just different as far as you know. I I grew up watching. You know, we watched that documentary documentary with Jordan and the Bad Boys and mm-hmm. and how physical the game was uh, back in the day and and what you could get away with. You know, on on the court. Um, that's that's a big difference as far as that's concerned. And then also, you know, if you're a big. You don't see you don't see no Patrick Ewings no more. You know down there on the block. If, if you Patrick, if you're a Patrick Ewing, and you can't step outside on on the three point line in that little corner, and and not and not and knock down that corner three, man, you might as well grab that clipboard because you 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 can't you can't be on the field because you're gonna have to guard you're gonna have to guard another big out there on on uh, on the right. perimeter somewhere, and if you can't shoot it, hey man, you go on, go ahead and get it. Start yeah, your co- start your coaching career early. Another world. <laughs> You know, I got the uh, I coach my twins now, and they're twelve. We travel around the country and playing, and and that's everything I'm teaching them as, as basketball players. It's almost become positionless. Yeah. Just for the reason you said, there's not, there's probably two centers, three maybe, but that you could throw the ball down and get a bucket right. to. And B Joker, and I'm have a hard time naming that third. But yeah. that, that 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 game is kind of gone now. You know, so now everything is more free flowing. Everyone is like size, and you got to be able to do a little bit of everything. So the game is definitely changed um similar to how football has changed i mean like you got, it doesn't really seem like they can hit no more 
in, in the NBA, you can't touch no more. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I think obviously it's, it's in your game, it's for player safety, but it's, it's for the advantage of the offense. They want to see more scoring. They want to see more points. They want to see more touchdowns in the NFL. So it's really kind of changed over the years. And, you know, obviously we were lucky enough, all three of us, to kind of get the old shit and transition into what the new game looks like for both of our respective sports. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I give the NFL props for, you know, are, they are trying to, you know, put in measures to protect the guys, you know, certainly understand that. And like you said, you know, coming in when I came came in and then being able to see kind of the other side. I remember my last couple of years in Oakland before I sustained those injuries, I was like, man, with the way they're doing training camp now and no practices and no pads, man, I probably can play. You got another five. Man, easy. Easy, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. What are your thoughts, though? I always want to know your thoughts of it, as it, because I think you guys obviously have to adjust the most, and it almost seems like you guys would. Some I've seen some guys hurt themselves trying to stay safe from hurting, uh, from hitting a receiver or hitting a running back because you know you can't really hit like you used to hit. So from from a, from a defensive player's mentality, what what are your thoughts on that? I think what ends up happening sometimes is that guys end up missing plays. Right. Because you're you're running, you know, 15, 16 miles an hour, you know, going to make a play, make a hit. And then all of a sudden in the in the in the, in the instant, you're trying to think, wait, how do I hit him? Uh, if I right. if I hit him here, you know, look, so these fines ain't, ain't cheap fines. man. They find the guys 30, 40,000. So, I mean, you, you out there, you know, sometimes that crosses your mind. And I remember one guy. Second yeah, I remember guessing. a guy had a quarterback in his grasp. You know, he's getting ready to throw him down, and he's waiting for the whistle. He let him go. Quarterback runs for, for, the, for, the, for the first down. I think, I think it was Green Bay and the, and the Vikings, I think it was. And it was like, man, he's thinking about not getting a penalty. Right. The rules. <laughs> yeah, and, he let the, and right. the guy, the quarterback, ended up running for a first down. So you're running, all of these things are running, running through your mind while you're playing the game instead of just playing the game. And sometimes I think that does hurt guys. All right, man. Well, this has been a great interview so far. We're coming down the stretch right here with quick hitters. First name to come to mind, spit it out. So toughest receiver you ever had to match up with? Marvin Harrison. Ooh, starving Marvin. One of the greats. NFL player you wish you could have played with? Wish I could have played with? Uh, Barry Sanders. Ooh, nice. Great call. Great call. Uh, scariest quarterback you had to go up against. The scariest, Maybe scary is not the right yeah. word, but just just a bad motherfucker. Brady. Brady. Under- nice. Understandable. Yep. Three songs on your pregame playlist. I'll go All Eyes on Me. Uh, let's go. Uh, uh, Jay Z had a song called uh, Twenty Two Twos. I probably would have had uh, uh, Riding Dirty, UGK. Yeah, that's, that's there, you yes. there you go, there you go, you can't go wrong with yeah. that one. Yes, sir. Uh, five dinner guests, dead or alive? Jesus, Leonardo da, Vin- uh, 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 da Vinci, um, uh, Barack Obama, uh, Martin Luther King. Mm. What's that, four? That's four? That's four, yep. yep. Uh, Muhammad Ali. Well, you're going to learn something at that dinner. Yeah. yeah. What? You're going to learn? Jesus, Leonardo, Barack. You're not going to yeah. be the same leaving that nah. dinner, boy. Uh, Man, I want to eavesdrop on that gonna one. You're going to learn today. For real. <laughs> yeah, you're going to learn today. Yeah. All right, final question. 
Your answer, you have to help us with your answer to this question, all right? Who do you want to see on All the Smoke? Who do I want to see on All the Smoke? Stacey Abrams. Matt been trying to get her on the show, too. Yeah, Matt been trying to get her on the show. Earlier. Yeah, that's a good call. Well, hey, man, C-Wood, man, thank you for your time. Yeah. It was an honor to be able to sit down with you today, man. We appreciate it. Like I said, you got my address. I'm always ready for that whiskey whenever. And the best of luck, man, with uh, life after football. Appreciate it, man. Hey, appreciate man. Good, good talking talk to y'all, boy. Make sure them folks go get that. Yes. Woodsonwhiskey.com. Yes, sir. There it is you right there. Yes, I'm going to post the wine. I'm going to post the wine on my page. Intercept. I'm going to post the wine on my page. Yeah, yeah there it we is. Got it. We got, we got it. You. There it is. All right, man. Hey, that's a wrap, man. I hope you guys enjoyed another episode of All the Smoke. You can catch us on Showtime Basketball YouTube the iHeart platform, and the Black Effects. See y'all next week. This is All a Smoke, a production of the Black Effect and iHeart Radio in partnership with Showtime. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The, I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.